You're listening to a very special Longbox Crusade episode, the 12 Days of Crusademus 2019. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden rings. Four calling three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Christmas, my true love gave to me. Eight ladies dancing, seven ladies dancing, six ladies dancing, five. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not. In a pear tree on the ninth, no. on the eighth, uh, on the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Seven becomes a one, six keeps the lane. Five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves. Here we come the boys, boys. hand in hand, there I be decked with base and partridge in a pear tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Eleven pipers piping, ten loads of leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids and milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay, and hey, when it's dry whoa, and ready, whoa, 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 a dreidel I shall play. Oh, hey, dreidel. Hey, twelve days of Christmas. What? Yeah, Christmas. Eight, eight days of Hanukkah. Oh. It's a Christmas medley. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Eight masters kung fuing. Hello and welcome to the eighth installment of the Twelve Days of Crusademus, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. The Twelve Days of Crusademus is our gift to the comic-loving podcast community to celebrate the holiday season. And we're celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some of the often overlooked comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past. Each day of the Twelve Days of Crusademus, we're bringing you a new hidden gem of a comic book series, brought to you either by one of our jingling all the way co-hosts, or one of our podcast celebrity guests. Until we get to all the way to December 25th, Christmas Day. I'm your host for this eighth day of Crusademus, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. And here are the right jolly old elves joining me for today's unwrapping. Let's go ahead and start with the man, the myth, the legend, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Christmas Weasel. Christmas Weasel's getting excited. We're eight days closer to the big day, a.k.a. Sky Striker Day. <laughs> Still beating that drum. Yes. I don't see the box that I'm looking for. I don't see the shaped present under our tree. I see an invoke tape, though. Oh, you're never going to get it. <laughs> never, never going to get it. Not this time. I'm looking at my never list of all the good things that I've got there. Never, never, never. I tell you what, if I do not get a Sky Striker, I no longer believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's true, Jason. That's You're going too far on that one. It's going on a limb. <laughs> I've said it. I meant it. Sky Striker, December 25th, and it's mine. Oh, well, I wish the best for you in that, but if you don't get that, oh, well. And now it's time for a breakdown. Never going to get it. 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 Never get it. You guys are like reversed elves. I don't know what those are called. Demons. Yes. You're Christmas demons. 
<laughs> taking away my Christmas spirit, my Christmas presents. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We got some days to go. We'll see what happens. But let's go and see who else is here with us. I'm going to go to the man on my right. Jared Elbrick, the yard sale Christmas artist. That's a prescription for danger. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I got a little something to play for us to put us in the mood tonight for All Christmas. Right. All right. So lay back and relax and here's some Christmas for you. Terrorism. Freeway killers. Now, more than ever, it is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That was going to be the Chubbins and Sweetums Christmas album. Oh, man, now I got to make one. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a Die Hard trailer to start with. Uh, now I went with the Scrooge reference tonight, boys. But thanks for having me back on mm-hmm. my own network, Pat. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Delvin is here, too. So let's go ahead and say hello to Delvin. Hello, Delvin. Hi, Pat. Merry Christmas, everybody. You noticed right in front of you. I have some red and green cylindrical small. Frosted cream filling chocolate snacks. Mm. Or as they're known around Christmas time, ho ho ho, ho ho's. <laughs> I think Mary Jane made those. <laughs> cream filling. Oh, just an acid. What kind of filling is in it? Mm. Oh, goodness. You know what? It's the holidays. I'll eat one. Merry Christmas. I know you will. Yeah, sweet. Are they, is, why is it got a little something crunchy in it? Don't worry well, about it. <laughs> Some of my has some roofies. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure mine's got crystal meth. <laughs> oh, that one was mine. <laughs> I am tripping balls. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Oh, this man. episode is 17 minutes long. <laughs> Oh, well, let's bring in our guest. You just heard him. So by now, you probably recognize that smooth podcasting voice of the one, the only Ryan Daly. Welcome, Ryan. How are you? Merry Christmas. Welcome to the lavished Longbox Crusade Studios. It looks more lavish than it was last Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I I was actually going to play the trailer for Scrooge from that movie. But (laughs) this is because you don't share the notes on on this beforehand. So... It is actually a little different. We got to blow up Santa in the back now. Still Mary Jane. <laughs> that Santa's looking at me. This is crystal meth again, isn't it? <laughs> Same words. <laughs> Let's see. You may know Ryan from uh, some of his podcasting stuff on the Fire and Water Network. Then Here's again, Cash. you might not. <laughs> well, that's where we know him from. Yeah. Batman, Nightcast, and more. So, Ryan, what do you have wrapped in that gift wrapping in that stocking? It's not a Sky Striker, is it? Being uh, a G.I. Joe fan. It's too small to be a Sky Striker. No, it's the Ram motorcycle without rock and roll. Oh. <laughs> rock and roll sold separately, <laughs> as I discovered. Well, that way Jason gets something for Christmas and his birthday. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you heard from the singing intro, today is Eight Masters Kung Fuing, which means we are unwrapping 
The Master of Kung Fu, issue 29 from Marvel Comics from 1975. Ah, yes, the 70s series. <laughs> yes, as, as we explained in no, no short amount of time, the 70s series, yes. The martial arts master Shang-Chi, who audiences will be able to see on the big screen in February 2021, was created by writer Steve Englehart and artist Jim Starlin, and first appeared in special Marvel edition number 15, which had, up to that point, been a reprint title for Thor and Sergeant Fury stories. Shang-Chi was created to be the son of the international gangster Fu Manchu, created by pulp novelist Sax Romer in the early 1900s. The initial premise of the series was that Shang-Chi discovers his father's evil when he is sent to assassinate Fu Manchu's enemies, Sir Dennis Nayland Smith and Dr. Petrie. The analogy I always make is that imagine you grew up thinking that your dad was Batman and you trained your entire life to take over for him. And then when you're 21, you realize, hey, daddy's not Batman, he's Ra's al Ghul. So after just two issues, the series was retitled Master of Kung Fu, starting with issue 17 and continued for 10 years until issue 125. Englehart left the book after five issues to be replaced by Doug Munch, who wrote the series until just before its cancellation. Starlin left after three issues, and the book cycled through a lot of fill-in and tryout artists, before Paul Galassi became the regular artist, starting with issue 29, the book that we're about to talk about, and he stuck around until issue 50. Galassi was then succeeded by the team of penciler Mike Zek and inker Gene Day, who lasted until issue 101, and after that, Day took over the penciling duties himself until 120. Even though the series was meant to tap into the trendy kung fu market made popular by Chinese action films of that era, and the character of Shang-Chi may have been based on actor Bruce Lee, the book found its voice and direction when Munch and Galassi joined forces to tell what were essentially James Bond MI6 adventures with a morally conflicted martial arts master in the lead. Some of the main reasons I love this book are, well, first, I only started reading this series within the last year, but I fell in love with it really fast. The first 10 issues are rock solid, full of action. The Starlin issues in particular have an amazingly dynamic visual style. But when the series really comes together with this issue, it becomes James Bond comics starring Bruce Lee from Enter the Dragon, and it's utterly amazing. You got people throwing hands, you got people catching hands, you got sexy ladies and criminal masterminds with island fortresses, you've even got supporting characters named Clive Reston, who may or may not be a descendant of both Sherlock Holmes and James Bond. Another thing that I really like is that when Galassi took over, the opening splash page of each issue wasn't intended to have any real narrative function like they had before that. He instead designed them to look like movie posters because he wasn't doing most of the covers up to that point. And with that in mind, knowing the general interests and backgrounds of the fine folks here at the Longbox Crusade, have any of you read this series? We'll start with Delvin. Have you read any of Master of Kung Fu. No, never. This was my first. So this is just yet another first and one of the reasons that I'm glad to be doing something like Crusaders. Cool, cool. Jason, were you familiar with the series? I knew of the series, but I never read it uh, seriously. Shang-Chi made some appearance kind of recently in Avengers under the Hickman run. So I seen him in that, but no, I haven't really delved into the original 70s series of Shang-Chi. Pat, what about you? No, just like Delvin, this is my first four-way or forte into this uh, series. It's yeah. foray. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer that question, Ryan, no, I have not. This is my first time. 
<laughs> uh, I'm crossing brains here, but I, I think we're getting really close to having a reading rainbow here. But <laughs> Jared, Ooh, what about yeah. you? Had you had any familiarity with the series? I have to destroy the reading rainbow, my friend. Ah. Oh, no. Take a look. It's in a book. Reading rainbow. <laughs> reading rainbow. When Delvin and I were in college, we first really started dabbling in martial arts with one of our Air Force ROTC classmates, Joey C. Joey C. Taught, started teaching. Shout out to Joey C. Shout out to Joey C. He started teaching Delvin and I martial arts. And Joey was the one that put me on the Master of Kung Fu title. And I started picking them up here and there. And there was a while where Master of Kung Fu was kind of forgotten about and was finding its way into quarter bins. And I was like, oh, hell yes. And I was snagging. <laughs> I've probably read, I don't know, 50 or 75 issues of Master of Kung Fu. I love it. The great thing about it is it's been so long ago because it was just kind of just post college. I don't remember a lot of it. So coming back to it, it's very fresh. And uh, man, I'm glad you. You brought it. Cool, cool. Well, don't tip your hand too far. <laughs> 12. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, for today's episode, I asked the boys to read Master of Kung Fu number 29 because this is sort of the reset for the series. This is, I think, where the book finds its identity and the tone that will carry it forward. It's the first issue where you really feel like the Munch and Galassi are channeling great Bond adventures, like You Only Live Twice and The Man with the Golden Gun. It also features the first appearance of one of my favorite oddball Marvel villains. The one negative that I will concede up front is that it's not a one-off story or a climactic chapter. It's part one of a three-part story, and it's very exposition-heavy in the front, so it is the least action-packed of the story. But I still think it set the tone and feel for what came next. So let's find out what happens with a brief little synopsis. Shang-Chi is summoned to the New York townhouse of Sir Dennis Nayland Smith. There, Smith and his partner, Dr. Petrie, ask Shang-Chi to join them officially as one of their operatives and help them save the world. This time, the threat is not from Shang-Chi's father, Fu Manchu, but from a notorious heroin kingpin named Carlton Velcro. Smith asks Shang-Chi to join his agents, Clive Reston and Blackjack Tar, on a mission to Velcro's island fortress in the south of France to destroy his entire heroin processing facility. Shang-Chi is reluctant to involve himself in the world of espionage and counterterrorism until Smith takes him to a drug rehabilitation center and the young man sees for himself the deadly toll of Velcro's drugs. Clive Reston infiltrates Velcro's island palace under the guise of a heroin buyer named Mr. Blue. Once there, he sees tons of scantily clad ladies, as well as Velcro's security system, which takes the form of armed guards, a pit of ferocious panthers, and a ruthless enforcer known as Razor Fist, who wears an absurd leather bondage outfit and has giant machete blades where his hands should be. Meanwhile, Shang-Chi and Black Jack Tar drop into the water off the coast and swim to the island, but they are caught and have to fight their way at the same time that Reston is sneaking his way to the heroin stockpile. Reston appears to be caught by Velcro before he can finish destroying the heroin. Shang-Chi and Black Jack are separated, and the Master of Kung Fu enters the enemy's lair only to come face to face with Razor Fist to be continued. So, what did you guys think of this issue? It was intriguing. I'm glad that you mentioned that the point of Munchin Gulasi came up with kind of putting Shang-Chi in these Bondian-like scenarios because that's certainly what it felt like. And I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know. I guess I just kind of pictured or in my head Shang-Chi kind of being on these, you know, mystic-type quests or something like that. And I know it's not the same as Iron Fist, of course. I didn't know what to expect, but this wasn't what I expected. And that's a good thing. I was intrigued by it. 
probably the worst thing that I would have to say about the book is like that really cool cover. I was hoping to see a fight between Shang-Chi and the big bad guy, but it was just a teaser for the next issue. That's the worst thing I had to say about it, but the all of the setup for it definitely led to a really intriguing story. Yeah, and I think Doug Munch actually admitted that at the time he started writing the book, he hadn't seen Enter the Dragon yet. So he didn't actually know much about Bruce Lee or his acting career when he got the reins for this book. So that wasn't really the direction that he set up when he wanted to take over the book and like the direction he wanted to go. Pat, what did you think? Kind of like Delvin said, too, I wrote down in my notes, James Bond-like. So to hear you say that through the you know, the opening of this is, yep, I can definitely tell that this is kind of the spin they were going on. I've never read a lot of Iron Fist, so I don't know much about that. I kind of was thinking it was going to be like a Doctor Strangey kind of Kung Fu-y vibe, but I didn't get that at all either. I really like how it was set up and the build-up going on. Like you said, it's interesting that this is going to be like a three-issue story. Are the rest of them kind of like that? Does it tell like a longer... For a while, actually, that is kind of like the formula. They'll do three-issue story arcs. Okay. There will be a like a blank like a one-off and a lot of times it has a fill-in artist like Gil Kane or somebody else will come in then Galacy will come back and they'll do a three-issue story arc and again like they keep up like they they feel like mini Bond adventures like especially like from like that sweet spot of like the late 60s mid 70s Bond type of things I think the first time they get into a longer form story is um, there's an arc when they bring back Fu Manchu from issue 45 until 50 it's a six-part story that is set up to basically kill off the Fu Manchu character. Of course, Marvel being Marvel, they weren't going to allow that to happen for very long. So <laughs> they brought them back. But definitely they had a formula that they kept to it with like sort of like mini movie type of things. So. Yeah, I like that. Um, that was very intriguing. I didn't know what to expect going into this. And so uh, it really caught me off guard when starting to read this. And the artwork too was just amazing. So it, it pulled me in right away to the story on, you know, on the second page after that first page movie poster, like you said there. Jason, what'd you think? I really like this one as well. Well, I don't think that the charges against Velcro are going to stick. I was about to do that. I was about to do that joke. Why did I have to lose the rotation? I, I was just like, I'm going third. I don't know if I'm going to do that. You're like, I got to get through one more guy to my Velcro joke. No, no, I got it. Got the Velcro joke. But in all seriousness, I was taken by surprise a little bit. A couple things that really impressed me about the book. Number one was the artwork. Galacy really does a good job. Like, you don't get cheated in any panel here. Everything from the violence of the martial arts that's in there, the surroundings. I thought that the atmosphere in their little mansion, headquarters, clubhouse, whatever you want to call it, was super cool. Even being aboard the airplane when you're getting the briefing was was really neat. And that kind of ties into the exposition heavy thing that you mentioned before. To me, it didn't really feel so exposition heavy because number one they always put it in interesting environments mm -hmm. so the panels were beautifully laid out mm -hmm. and then two they did a really good job of kind of winding the action through so you had some exposition you had some things that were going on there's kind of some 
spy sneaky stuff going on in the background with Petrie. And so I stayed engaged the whole time. I thought this was a really good job of storytelling and art coming together to produce an excellent book. Yeah, and I agree. And I do think Galassi was just really, really good at, at not just the detail, but like the pacing and everything that you said. And perhaps like the, the attention, the level that was the reason why he would usually do three issues and then take one off. Uh, and they would have a feeling maybe that was just because of the style and, and what he put into it. Just sort of anecdotally, his final issue that he did, the interiors on, was issue 50. I mentioned that earlier. I think he still did covers after that. The last interiors that he did, I think, was issue 50. And I've got a copy of that issue signed by him. Oh, nice. Uh, my buddy and a friend of ours from like the community, Dr. Ange, who does a Supergirl blog, got him to sign that one for me at Terrificon in Connecticut just a few months ago as of nice. this recording. So, well, Jared, you don't get to make the same Velcro joke, but mm. maybe you came up with a different one in the interim. Not really. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine when Mr. Velcro gets off the couch, it sounds like <laughs> you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know where this is going. All right. Um, I will start out my thoughts on this issue with a question. Razor fist. Mm-hmm. Who's wiping his butt? <laughs> and how does he eat? <laughs> this is this is why I, I I mentioned this. He is one of my favorite, just a weirdo '70s Marvel villains because exactly one thing, and he must be by definition terrible at everything else. Like he's he's, he's good at fighting. He's good at killing people. And we and like uh, Delvin, you pointed out like the cover. The cover really should have been the cover for issue thirty because they do have mm-hmm. a great fight in the next issue. I wanted to bring that issue too because of the fight but it's really good but yeah he's got this like weird get up it's one of those things where it's like oh that looks kind of cool but as soon as you start thinking about the practicality <laughs> of it it's like <laughs> soup or supper again <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play cards, Razor Fizz? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, maybe he's got one. One of them, one I'll he takes one off, and one's like a fork. Maybe. The other one's a knife. <laughs> I'm picturing like guidance counselor, like there, there. You could do. Oh, another one's dead. Oh. <laughs> but then the other thing that, like, I have to point out is like the Razor Fists are the gimmick and everything. So he really he could wear any costume. Why does he sort of look like the Gimp? <laughs> That's a personal choice, man. With, with more exposed flesh. It's like, this is... Mm. Like, did he choose that outfit or did somebody dress in that? And like, how could he I stop know, somebody? Obviously, somebody? <laughs> obviously somebody dressed him like, like that. Maybe there's so many gaps and so much exposed flesh because he was dressing himself. He just sliced it up. He just cut all the... Started out as a tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right, Jared, what else did you have? <laughs> Oh, Razor Fist, you want to do magic tricks? No. <laughs> got a second controller, Razor Fist. You want no. to join in? <laughs> I got it. Someone needs to go cut the sandwich meat. I'm on it. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Razor Fist, you want to make some s'mores? <laughs> hey, you guys. I'm going to double gush Jason Gush for Paul Galacy, and I'm going to double gush basically reiterating what Jason said. I mean, every environment. Look at that piano. Look at the mm-hmm. chessboard. Look at the moment when Shang-Chi's looking into the fire and the dude who's talking is still visible through the flames, but sort of faded out because you're looking through flame. Look at the architectural drawing he did for the grotto. The list goes on and on. The animals, um, the, the animal underwater adventure part, the panel to panel jump down. Was it Reston who was being Mr. Blue? Yes. Yeah, he jumps down and very Norm Bray Fogley 
motion kind of way. I mean, it's just amazing. Do I love Bruce Lee? Yes. Do I love James Bond even more? Yes. Is this the perfect combination for a fun comic book for Jared? Yes. <laughs> and uh, I see where this is going. See where this is headed. Yeah, absolutely. But you guys said it all though. Good stuff. And I'll I think there's going to be too many uh, candy canes left over from Jared's stash. It mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I, I reached out to Pat about appearing on Crusade Miss again this year, you know, back last summer. Mm-hmm. And like, I knew from the start, like, this was the issue I wanted to bring because I read this one and I was like, it's got martial arts action check. check it's got james bond themes check. check i was like this is perfect for you guys it's all of the, all of the interest in the things that <laughs> there was, a, so there was like, a sherlock holmes reference in this issue yes yeah. Yeah. there's a sherlock reference bond references and everything hey Ryan, uh, yeah. what got you to even open the first book for master Kung Fu? it was about a year ago when i heard that marvel was serious about doing a shang chi movie like that mm-hmm. it was just kind of like in the rumor mill because i knew who the character was but i hadn't read anything yeah. because for a long time marvel didn't have reprint rights for this series like that's why it kind of like disappeared and it was just a forgotten series for a long time because almost all of shang chi's supporting cast in this book were created by this guy sax romer who wrote these like pulp novels and Mm -hmm. fu manchu was this evil criminal he was basically professor moriarty and sir dennis Mm -hmm. nayland smith and dr petrie were the sherlock and the watson for that so imagine like those type of old sherlock holmes dime novels but told from the villain's perspective or more about the villain i don't recommend reading that i've i've read like little excerpts and like horribly racist like just not, like just whoa but yeah if you if you check those out like but Fu Manchu was like a popular character in pop culture like Christopher Lee yeah. played him in a movie yeah. so they knew him so Marvel licensed the rights to use that character as the father of the character and the major villain of this eventually they lost those rights and they couldn't reprint the series they couldn't oh. do anything they kind of made illusions that they've changed who Shang-Chi's father is in later comics they call him by a different name eventually they made some sort of settlement because they have reprinted this whole series now in in a series of omnibus, hardcover omnibus collections, and now paperbacks. But for the movie, I think they're even sidestepping that all the way by just the Mandarin, the Iron Man villain, is going to be Shang-Chi's father. So they're just... So to answer your question, it was like a year ago or something that I just heard in the rumor mill that like Marvel might be making a Shang-Chi movie. I'm like, really? All right, mm. so I was just kind of curious. So I read the first couple of issues, which were by, again, Inglehart and Jim Starlin, and those looked great. Jim Starlin's art in the yeah. 70s. I mean, he really gave it a cinematic feel, but just tonally, it felt more like a Kung Fu movie. So I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And I stuck with that for like a couple months. Like every month I would go back and like read another one on Marvel Unlimited. And then I picked up an issue of Back Issue Magazine where they had like a whole spotlight on all these Kung Fu action things like mm-hmm. Mar- Master Kung Fu, Iron Fist, Bronze Tiger, mm-hmm. all of these different things. And I was just reading this article and they mentioned once it got to this point, like issue 29, it becomes this James Bond type of thing. And I checked where I was at Marvel Unlimited. I was like, mm, the last one I read was 28. maybe i should read one issue further and like as soon as i read that one i was like crusade miss (laughs) all right i gotta jump in here and and delvin will likely back me up on this i remember we were living in san antonio about the time that uh, own bach and the protector became very popular films kung fu films Mm -hmm. and that's when i started beating the drum i was like we need a shang chi movie it needs to star Tony Jaw. It needs to happen now. I'm almost like the Ryan Kelly of Aquaman, except I never put any effort into it. I just told a lot of people that I wanted a Shang-Chi movie. <laughs> so I'm very happy a Shang-Chi movie is finally going to happen. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool. So. Okay, well, you've shared 
your thoughts, so it's time to rate your interest in this series using the official Crusade Mist candy cane scale, which is not the scale that I would go with. If you remember back to last year, I had more of a spectrum scale, <laughs> 1 to 13, with 7 being the highest, but okay, <laughs> you decided that was a little bit too complicated. So. <laughs> On a scale, using the Judeo-Christian scale of 1 through 12 candy canes, <laughs> 12 being extremely interested and 1 being not interested at all, how many candy canes would you rate your interest in pursuing more issues of this title. Jason, what do you think? Well, using the humor, heart, spectacle, and art, not a whole lot of humor in the book. I give it one for that, but uh, it really makes it up uh, in spectacle. I thought the spectacle was amazing. Three for that. The art we talked about, gotta give it three for the art and the heart i didn't really mention that in my original comments but i was really engaged with the inner battle that shang chi is having he wants to do something about these drugs but he also wants to hold on to his beliefs and his soul and you can tell this is going to be it's going to be a test for him so i'm giving it threes across the board so that's Using my advanced math, 10 candy canes. I'm going to, for your enthusiasm, I'm going to throw one more candy cane on the pile for 11. So 11 candy canes from Weasel Skull. Dig it, dig it. All right, DJ Cristados. Well, just like Jason, I have my own kind of uh, grading system that I go through. I call it Sha. Uh, that's spectacle, art, humor, and heart. <laughs> For a spectacle, or yep, for spectacle. <laughs> Screwed up your own damn joke. <laughs> that makes it funnier, though. <laughs> for, for spectacle, I'm going to give a three. For art, definitely a three as well, too. And for heart, a three. But for the humor, just like Jason, I didn't see much humor in it at all. So I'm giving that a one. But like Jason, because of your enthusiasm and the information you've gathered and provided to us, I'm bumping it up to another one, and that makes it 11. All right, so that was a good minute that we just got there. (laughs) (laughs) Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Delvin, what did you think? I'm at a 10. It was very good. And it's always a good sign of at the end of the book, you're seeing that cliffhanger come and you're like, oh, come on. A few more cases, right? A few more. I want to see this fight. Like, come on. Do I need to? So, at least the first few punches. Why? Uh, I mean, is he swinging at him? I know. I'm a thirsty man. Give me something to do. Absolutely. You do want to see the fight. This is just a, a corner of Marvel Universe. It is a universe. They've been around for decades. It's huge. But this is just a corner I've never been to before. And that makes it even more intriguing because it's a character I've heard before, but I'm realizing that I know nothing about it. And this book was definitely something that got me interested. Yeah, and I, w- I would recommend just <laughs> reading the next issue for the fight between Shang-Chi and Razor Fist. It's a great fight. But yeah, his finishing move when he finally takes that Razor Fist, it's a brutal, just like you feel it in your face when it comes. So, Death Pro what did you think (laughs) well sir i break mine down in the following four categories (laughs) sophia rose blanche and dorothy (laughs) definitely wasn't a lot of rose no Um, i dorothy count though but anyways now and and peek behind the curtain to people who are listening this is crusade miss day eight we've already recorded day nine which is mine and i know i'm screwing myself out of winning the crusade prize when i do this uh-oh. Uh-oh. But as the Sesame Street kids would say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It's getting all 12 of my candy canes. This series is fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. I just screwed myself out of winning the candy cane. Trumped your own comic. Holy cow. 
<laughs> but that's all right. I give you twelve for your comment. That's a nice Christmas spirit, there, Jared. That's nice. Yeah, it's better know. to give than so to receive. Twelve candy canes according to twelve candy canes according to the Serb. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eleven for the Shaha. <laughs> scale and, mm-hmm. and 10 from Dolan. <laughs> 12 so, from the Golden Girls scale. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give one last recommendation for the series, I think the main selling points are terrific stories that blend Asian martial arts action with a ton of James Bond tropes, secret agent stuff, sexy ladies, exotic locations, crazy mastermind villains. Doug Munch is one of my favorite writers. He worked on this book throughout the 1970s. At the same time, he was writing Werewolf by Night, and he created the character of Moon Knight. He also created Deathlock for Marvel. He's also had two different long and solid runs on Batman over at DC. Uh, and the art on this book is just superb. Paul Galassi, followed by Mike Zeck and Gene Day, Jim Starlin, Gil Kane. I mean, what more could you want? The entire Master of Kung Fu series is available on Marvel Digital Unlimited. It has also been collected in hardcover omnibus format, and they are just starting to reprint the book in paperback as part of the Epic Collections format. There are two volumes out so far. Anybody's interested in what I'm doing, I'm reading it on my Marvel uh, Unlimited subscription right now. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> I'd also like to throw in that I believe, I may be wrong, but I'm almost, I know Paul Glacey did, and I think he teamed up with Munch, too, to do some James Bond comics as well. They've teamed up on 007 stuff that I've read. And I also think he might have done some G.I. Joe for the Devil's Due Years. No. We like that. I think so. All right. Well, that'll give a wrap for today's gift-giving session of the 12 Days of Crusademus. We'd love to hear from you if you are familiar with any of the comics we cover here on the show or if you give one of our recommendations a try. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Email us at contact at Longbox Crusade because I'm lonely. Send me, a Christ- send me a happy Merry Christmas. <laughs> we'll compile all the feedback for all 12 days of Crusademus and cover it in the next full episode of the Longbox Crusade. If you want to hear more from our special guest, where can they find you, Ryan? You can find me on Facebook or Twitter without much difficulty. I am also part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I do several shows, including Cheerscast, an episode-by-episode look at my favorite sitcom, and some other crap. <laughs> I'm up to season seven on Cheers. I'm on episode six of other crap. <laughs> yep. yep. You do you make good crap, Ryan. Your crap don't stink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and with that, and if you're loving Crusade Miss and didn't get a chance to listen to last year, if you just scroll back far enough in the feed, you can find all twelve episodes from Crusade Miss twenty eighteen and even twenty seventeen. Wow, can you believe it? Three years of Crusade Miss. Crazy. That's like twelve plus twelve plus twelve. <laughs> That's almost forty. You minus it. Oh. <laughs> dirty 30 or something. <laughs> Tell Paul Hicks it's dirty 36. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is under the tree here at the festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios. Until then, DJ Cristados, play one of my favorite Christmas jams. Wicked, 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 wicked. Get off your sled and go to bed Don't you ever tire Throw a bone, I'm finally home Curled up by the fire Snow is falling from the sky Like ashes from an urn Sweet dreams, my little one Now it's
Songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. When I take off my pants, it's all I do is make gold. <laughs> Podcast gold. <laughs> I didn't even have time to take my pants off. I pulled up the driveway. <laughs> Julie's like, well, you want to watch this movie with me? I was like, I got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's even funnier if you mush in the face like... <laughs> Yeah. You're oh, the wait, stiff, stiff armor. <laughs> stiff armor. <laughs> and to, to do the wife juke. <laughs> All right. This is your show, Pat. So I'll let you script up. I'm going to go get a refill on my drink. You better have this ready by the time I get back. Nobody talk about me because I'm recording it. Should we talk bad about Jim? He's back. I heard every way. <laughs> We didn't even have time, seriously. No. I didn't think he would move that fast. I was getting my book of insults and everything. I had it right here. It was here. I got me a soda, made love to the wife, and I am back. <laughs> that was foreplay and everything. That's good. Watch a little bit of TV. <laughs> Spent time with my kids. <laughs> It's even more fun now that we have this uh, video streaming. Stream Duck makes it all better. It makes it worse. (laughs) I don't need to see these people when I podcast. (laughs) Hearing it is enough. Yeah, this is throwing me off. Like, like actually, like seeing the face. And I, I know what you guys look like, but just like I'm used to, like when I hear Jason or when I hear Jared talking, I just hear that. And that's like that's all. Like, there you go. It's really weird watching myself do the Mary Jane impression. 
Is that what I look like? We'll put it out to the Patreon. Turn it off. We'll I was actually, I was vote. planning on, I was planning on subbing for Jason too during like the Sherlock thing. I was gonna go Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Mary Jane. This Irene Adler. <laughs> <This> Irene Adler. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. You don't need to stand up and be a man. <laughs> don't let him hit you twice. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to read the 70s one, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I had a question. Is it this from the 70s oh, series? Brian, they te- they all texted me, like, spacing it out days apart. Is it the one from the 70s? Yes. Is it, then three days later, is it the one from the 70s? Yes. Is it the one from the 70s? Yes. It's the most coordinated thing we've done. <laughs> so it's the one from the 70s, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was perfect. I expect throughout this entire process, I expect to hear a lot of you going. Throw some hands. Shang Chi is summoned. Oh, did we lose him? He froze. Hold, Ryan. Hold, hold. Let's see if we can just give a minute. And get oh, no. Man down, man down. We got a man down. Pop a flare.